Hey, it's Jason Cunningham and welcome back to another edition of Save My Business, proudly presented by Zero. This podcast shares stories of how entrepreneurs and small and medium-sized business owners have figured out how to survive and thrive in challenging times to hopefully offer some inspiration to our listeners. Today's guest is a good friend of mine, one of Australia's top comedians, an entrepreneur, a father of two, and a loving husband. And his name is Joe Avardi. G'day, Joe. Thanks for coming so on today, mate. small and medium-sized business. Oh, some of the large ones will tap into it. Yeah, well, because mine's become large this year. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, nah, no, it's, a, it's still a small and medium size, I'm sure. Joe, yeah. I'm really excited to have you on. You've got Thanks, a, a huge following. Um, uh, a lot of people, I guess, haven't had a chance to meet the man behind behind the behind the scenes, which is yeah. I have, and, yeah. and we'll tell a story about that later on, I guess. Yeah. But, Joe, how did you get into comedy? Well, Matt, the, the, in a nutshell, um, I, I wanted to be a rock star. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm from the south of Italy. My dad goes, no, there's no rock stars from Calabria. <laughs> so, you know, figure out something else to do. So I loved science. I I, I, I studied science. I, I got into university. I got an honours degree in food science. So I got my master, uh, my my undergraduate. Then I did my honours. Yeah. And I figured, right, now I've made my old man happy. Mm. Right, now how can I be a, I want to be a rock star again. <laughs> so I thought, well, I can't do it with music because, even though I played and, and wrote music and uh, the guitar and the piano and that kind of thing, I never had a voice. But I always had a memory for jokes. So I thought, you know what, maybe this is it. Maybe this is my way. And and that's what I did. So I put myself to it. And the way I put myself to music, the way I, I applied myself to music, the way I applied myself at university, and I did really well at university yeah. without ever having to do physics and chemistry at school, I did it to comedy. Right. So And then within four years... I was um, touring Australia. Within five years, I was selling out stadiums around the world. That's in a nutshell. That's uh, that's a really condensed story, and I yeah. really appreciate that. But yeah. I, firstly, I, I got a couple of questions. So yeah. you, you, you're a food scientist, did yeah. you say? Yes. So uh, tell me what your first job was. Tell me what so, that was like. So my first job was working at Streets Ice Cream. Oh yeah. Um, developing Magnum. Ice cream. Magnum Mag- ice cream. Magnum, Magnum, you know, working on paddle pops, working on children's products, premium products, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, wow. So it was, you know, it was creative. Yeah. But at the same time, it was boring because I was in a lab, you know, just yeah. in the same, you know, four or five people. It's not me. Yeah. Man, I need to be out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and what did you, <laughs> so do you get the taste of first Magnum and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, and absolutely. It? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, we, we worked for someone. So, mm. I mean, I was part of a team, right? So yeah. let's just let clarify that. So you know, there's marketing people, there's the production people, there's the packaging people, there's you know, the, the, you know, Magnum's got a sh- like a, a, um, a five year plan associated with it, uh-huh. right? Like in all other ice creams at streets. Yeah. Um, and so you know, you're part of that 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 team that does that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It was great for what it was, but that's you know, wasn't me. Okay. So you're in a lab. You're yeah. a food tech, food scientist. Yeah. You're designing, creating, and getting the textures right for a Magnum, and yeah. I mean everyone loves a Magnum, right? Yeah. I mean, there's the Gay Time, the Magnum, Cornetto. It's up yeah. there in the top three. Yeah. You move from that to standing on a stage telling jokes. Tell me what that first step was like. Joe. Yeah. Okay. So basically, I started when I was at uni because I won an honor scholarship, and the honor scholarship that I did, I, I was, it was all about meat science mm-hmm. and the experiments that I had to do. It, basically, my honors thesis was on the use of a, a machine called a differential scanning calorimeter mm. to determine the effects of food of um, 
um, uh, digestive enzymes mm-hmm. on the meat. Yeah. And so the, there was a lot of time between experiments. You've got to put the meat in there, you got to let, let the, the product go, then you've got to measure th- to the effects of it. Yeah. So, you know, I always had this this knack for telling jokes. Yeah. So I'd sit in the, in the I had my own office because I was also lecturing the undergraduate kids. Yeah. And um, I thought, you know, I started writing some, some gags mm. um, and and at the same time doing tryout nights at, at the comedy store. Yeah. So I kind of did them concurrently. But then so I was starting doing comedy, starting to get a little bit more practice, starting to get a bit of a name. Mm. But at the same time I now have to, you know, supplement my income, yeah. you know, with a proper job. And that's what I did until such a point where my comedy career took off that in some nights I was earning in what in one night what I would earn for the whole year at Streets. Wow. At, 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 at 26 or 27 years old. Yeah. And I guess you would have had the experience being a lecturer to stand in front of a, an audience. Yeah, well, I'll tell you where I learned that was yeah. was doing was telling jokes at parties. Yeah. So that's how I learned because someone would go, oh, they start telling a joke around the table, right around the campfire, or campfire, around, you know, yeah. having a few beers or whatever. And then I would do one and someone else would say one. Then I would do two. Then someone else would do one. Then I'll do three. And then everyone went, well, fuck, this guy, he's the one who knows all the jokes, so yeah. let him do it. Yeah. And in that time that I was getting up telling jokes in yeah. front of people, I started to learn this, the mechanics. Yeah. Like someone would say, oh, do, do the joke about the whatever, the pen. Yeah. But the pen was the punchline. Yeah. And then I would do the joke and I would realise that people wouldn't laugh like they would when they've never heard the punchline. Of course. But then I go, well, of course, they've just heard the punchline. Mm. You can't just do the joke mm. straight away. Mm. So I learned that if someone said do the joke about the pen, I would do three other jokes, let everyone forget about the pen, and then come back with the pen later. Yeah, right. Gang about the pen. A bit like Cosentino, who we had on last year, a bit of a magician, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, what I think, uh, what I find really funny, mm. and I say this with respect, Joe, I didn't know who you were until yeah. we met, yeah. you know, last year. Uh, but when I went to your show, I, you know, I, I don't think I've laughed harder in my life. You, you, it's not necessarily do you tell a joke, a rabbi and a priest went into a bar. No. You, you know, your jokes are really about what's happened to you in the past, yeah. you know, growing up as a second-generation migrant from yeah. another country yeah. in a multicultural melting yeah. pot, which is Sydney yeah. and Melbourne. Tell me how did that sort of come about? Yeah, okay. So basically the way that came about was the fact that I was doing stand-up in English at the comedy store, mm. right? And I did a few gags, like, you know, my real name's not Joe, it's Giuseppe. I could never find a mug with my name on it, right? Yeah. That, that, was, that was one of my first yeah. ever yeah. jokes, you know? Pretty juvenile now, but mm. back in those, when you start now, it was a cool joke, right? I guess I still laughed and yeah. talked about my juvenile <laughs> mentality. <laughs> and, um, so, so I got – I did the, the footy show in Sydney. And back in those days, there was a million people watching that. So all of a sudden, a lot of people went, shit, you know. Um, so there was this Italian organisation who put on this Italian night where they have these Italian, Italo-Australian singers singing Italian songs. And it's like a, it's like a Sanremo, they call it, yeah. of, you know, where they, it's, a, it's a singing competition. Uh-huh. So they needed somebody to fill in 20 minutes while the judges are making their decision. So they're like, this is that Italian guy that was on the footy show recently. Let's get him on. Mm. Now, because it was a all Italian audience, I decided to do gags that night that had nothing to do with my Aussie stand-up. All I did was focus on the Italian stuff. Mm. And those gags got massive laughs, bigger laughs than all my English material. Yeah. So I thought, huh, I've hit on something here. 
So then all of a sudden I'm starting to get calls, do my wedding, do my, my son's christening, mm. do this at Italian Association night, do an Italian golf mm. night. And every time I would do it, I would add, add it more and more. Mm. And then I got to the point where I thought, you know what, for me to really stand out here, I, I've got to do something that's different than anybody else. So what I did is I, I put on a night at a, at a mate of mine's restaurant and I said, just invite Italians, yeah. right? And I married my Italian material and my Aussie material together. Yeah. And I found that I could do an hour and a half. So now I had a one-man show. Yeah, right. So then I marketed that one-man show. Uh-huh. I put a picture of – so see, if you didn't know who I was, the, the, the poster was a picture of me being like a naughty boy getting my ear pulled yeah. with a little old Italian nonna yeah. hitting me with a wooden spoon. <laughs> right? Yeah. So if you don't know who I was or what I did mm-hmm. – and you're Italian, yeah. that's funny enough yeah. for you to go, oh, shit, what's this about? Yeah, Let me yeah. find out. Yeah. And so I started doing that yeah. to rooms of 100, 110, 70, 80, 150 people. And then it just went, just started to grow mm. and grow and grow. And then I released an album. Yeah. I recorded an album on the 10th of September, 1999. I released it here in Melbourne, January 19th, 2000. Mm-hmm. And as I say, the rest is history. I've been touring ever since. Yeah, wow, well, Joe, 22 years on the road, yeah. plus all the stand-up and stuff you did at university. Yeah, yeah. Tell me this, Joe, uh, how long did it take for your parents to recognise that, you know, it's still a real job? Uh, because, yeah. you, you, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I was born in this country. My <laughs> parents were born in this country <laughs> and their parents were too. Yeah. Maybe their grandparents yeah. came over on a boat or something like that. But um, I, I've got a lot of friends growing up in a multicultural suburb like uh, the Muni Pond. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, you know, there was. Uh, I went to school with Italians, Greeks. Uh, yeah. My business partner Serbian, Croatians, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my business partner Syrian. Sorry, he's going to yeah. kill me when he hears that. Um, but you know, a lot of those families, it was very education was everything. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I know Rob uh, on his on, on his father's deathbed. Rob sort of. Rob's dad said to him there, you make sure you finish your degree yeah. and you look after your mother and you look yeah. after your brother. Yeah. How, how did your parents take that from moving from a you know a great job with a yeah. distinguished degree mm. to standing up in pubs? Yeah, well, they didn't know about it. Yeah, right. So they didn't, so I didn't tell them until I got to a point where it, I was proud of what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't, my dad had said he heard whispers. Mm. He heard people saying, oh, I saw your son at the comedy store. Yeah. Son at the comedy store. Impossible. <laughs> because the other thing about me was, Jason, I was extremely shy yeah. growing up as a kid. Yeah. So he, and I remember my dad pulling me aside one day and saying, look, you need to talk, son. You're not going to make anything of yourself. Mm. So he would have kind of thought it was, not be- no, my son really, yeah. you know. So I waited before I invited them down. I waited until I was good enough. Yeah, you yeah. know, and uh, and, that and makes I, sense. yeah, yeah. So and then of course <clears throat> it got to a point where, um, but but you know he was happy because he did say to me, get a degree and do whatever you want. Mm. I got two, and then I did whatever yeah, I wanted. Yeah, yeah, and I did. And now I'm doing whatever I want. Joe, twenty odd years ago when you yeah. first started. Um, you started doing things on your own to yeah. today where you've had a tour that's that's sold out for the last 65 days or yeah, whatever. Yeah. How big is your team now compared to your team back then? Well, back then I had a big team because I was doing massive tours all over the world, yeah. right? And and we would all move mm. all over the world. So my uncle was my tour manager. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine was a publicist. Uh, another mate of mine looked after merchandise. And then when we would go to America, we'd have a your team there because we needed a lot of security and we needed a lot of help in mm. each of those towns. Mm. 
And then eventually it sort of got to a point where um, my uncle wanted to get married and settle down. My mate couldn't travel as much anymore. His parents were getting older. Mm. So then the, 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 the business just naturally broke away. Mm. And so um, I would executive produce the whole tour, but I would have teams in Canada in America and in Europe. Mm-hmm. So we sort of split it up like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm still pretty much very hands-on. Um, there's there's people that do things for me now, especially in Australia because they're, they're the biggest tours. Mm. Um, in and then and then we we also we also segment it up. So in 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 Canada we'll produce half of it and we'll sell half of it. Ah. Right? Yeah, right. And so then you sell it to a promoter because yeah. sometimes it's better just to do that. Yeah, recover then, some of the, you know, the you risk. Know. Yeah. 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 You know, um, and, you know, it, it, and then sometimes out of necessity, like because when when I was uh, doing uh, building uh, the house, mm-hmm. I was just full on into that house. Mm. But I was I was in the middle of my 20th anniversary tour. It was a massive tour. Yeah. So I had to get a kid, you know, to, to help me out on yeah. that. Yeah. And he had a very, he had just a, a few years' experience putting on shows, uh-huh. which, but he knew what he was doing. It was enough for him to put yeah. on all the shows yeah. and gave me the time to step away and focus on the house. Yeah. And then you know, he became really good at it, so now he does it. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. What, what, Joe, what, one of my fears mm-hmm. for com- not just comedians but yeah. performers, yeah. whether you're a, a music artist, a, a television performer, a film, or in your case a comedian, is – Staying fresh. Yeah. Does that ever play on your mind that, you know, you're going to run out of material? Yeah, so it did and it always has and um, it's always kept me going. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm only going to be able to do this for a few more years. Yeah. I'm only going to be able to do Because, okay, I should say when I started, my show was bilingual. So unless you really understood Italian, mm. you're going to have a hard time understanding 60 70% of the gags. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Then I had this idea to team up with a couple of guys who were that Acropolis Now show, right? Oh, yeah. And so anyone watching this uh, into, from, from I'm overseas, Acropolis Now was a, was a very big show on TV, mm. an ethnic sort of show. But I produced that show. But what I did is I piggybacked on their audiences. Yeah. So I produced it. We used my money, my know-how, my producing know-how. But... All of a sudden, their audiences were coming to see them, yeah, and then and all of a sudden, me. Yeah, right. And so they would, at the end of the night, they go, "Geez, you know, you're pretty good for the new guy." Yeah, because <laughs> they'd never, they'd never seen me. Yeah, of course. Right, but of course, I wasn't the new guy then, mm. but I was to them. Mm. So then it started to snowball into the mainstream ethnic market. Mm. So it was the Greeks, the Lebos, mm. the Croatians, and mm. and not that's, just the Italians, not just the Italians, and that yeah. blew out, and now. It's everyone now. Yeah. Now you know, and so really, I, I, I've only just, you know, I've done twenty five. I've sold twenty five thousand tickets in the last four months. Wow, man, I, I could sell a lot more than that yeah. once more of the mainstream find out. Yeah, about so, what I do. so in actual fact, you are reinventing yourself because I, I am reinventing myself. Yeah, yeah, because you started off doing half the show in Italian and half in English. Yes. Eh? whereas and then I, I really like that idea that. The notion of synergy, where you join the Acropolis Now boys, yeah. and then the whole becomes greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. Then you know, all of a sudden, you've introduced yourself into that predominantly Greek audience, yeah. I assume. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you're getting seen by a by a wider audience. Yeah. Joe, one thing I've I've noted is that one of the things you're quite prevalent in is yeah. use of social media. Yeah. And you've used that to really expand yeah. your reach as well. Yeah. As well as the traditional media. Yeah. You know, I yeah. I drive down. Uh, 
you know, I live in uh, North Carlton, Princess yeah. Hill, you might yeah. know the area. Yeah. Yeah. I drive down Brunswick Road and take my son to school, uh, who goes to school in Essendon, which is yeah. a suburb sort of northwest of Melbourne. Um, and I drive past the uh, Reggio Calabria Club yeah, right. and I see yeah, the yeah. banner there, Joe yeah, Avati. Yeah. So you're using the old school and yeah. the new school media. Yeah, yeah. Tell me how has that worked for you in growing your brand? Yeah, okay. So obviously, you know, everything is social media these days. Mm. Um, and so we, I've got a dedicated team who look after that. Uh-huh. Um, Do you put any posts yourself? Absolutely, yeah. 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 So, so there's a combination of posts that, that have been scheduled, uh-huh. right, but then I do things that like, you know, sometimes, right, so something might happen on a weekend, a, a news item, mm. and I'm thinking something funny. So I'll record myself and put it out there. Mm. Because if I've got to wait for my team to get back on Monday morning, it's, it's gone. irrelevant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it allows you to do that. Mm. But, but okay, so COVID, okay, let, let, let's mm. look at social media and COVID together. Yeah. So COVID, whilst it wasn't good for a lot of people, was absolutely fantastic for me. How? Because... There were so many people stuck at home. All they were doing was looking at YouTube mm. or your Facebook or Instagram. So all of a sudden, there was all these people that discovered me that had no idea I even existed because they would go and see a comedian that they liked. Then yeah. they'd start going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And normally, you know, okay, they, they're on the train going to work, on the mm. bus, you know, lunch break. Yeah. And they have a look, they have a little laugh, put the phone away or, oh, you know, got to get off the train, go to, go mm. to work. Well, of course, because of COVID, there was none of that. No. So people just were there all day and they just kept yeah. on going down and down and down the rabbit hole and they started finding me. So how did you monetize that? Well, it, it, so they, they were like, oh, my God, we, we've never heard of you before. We love you. Mm. No problems. You know, shows are coming up real soon. Yeah, yeah. Because right. I knew as soon as COVID was opening, I because I, I could see I could see the number of followers increasing yeah. dramatically, yeah. The, um, the number of comments increasing, yeah. the names. Normally there will be you know some Italian name, some Greek name, yeah. some Wog name, ethnic yeah. name yeah. following me. Now you know it's Jason Cunningham going, yeah. "Hey bro, man, I love your stuff. When yeah. when can I see it?" Yeah, and that was happening more and more. And I broke out into India, um, Ireland, Scotland, um, New Zealand. South Africa. You got a big presence in Canada too, is that right? Huge presence in Canada, Huge. but Canada was always there. Canada yeah. and America, yeah. and a majority of England was already there back in the day when I was doing yeah. my Italian stuff. Yeah. yeah, but it's just expanded it. Yeah, you know, and it's just so good. You know, I mean, it's. I'm not telling anybody that, that anything they don't know when I say it's just, you know, you get straight to the audience immediately mm. without, you know, oh, let me throw out a huge net of mm. money mm. and on the radio or the newspapers and yeah. see who, who comes in. No, yeah. we're just going straight to you. Direct. Yeah. Joe, obviously it ha- hasn't always been, um, what is it called? What's the saying? Beer and Skittles. That's an Aussie yeah. saying. Yeah. It hasn't always been beer and Skittles. Um, yeah. No doubt you've faced some challenges. Tell yeah. me some of the adversity that you've had to face over the last 25 years? Um, so, you know, there's some been, like so my first ever show was September the 14th, 2001, four days after September 11 in, oh. in, in, in Canada. And, and I was there and I saw it happening and I went, oh my God, you know, and I had 10 sellout shows, 2,000 people a night from the 14th of, of September. Mm. Were these shows going to happen? Were people going to come? Mm. Um, merchandise stuck in airports in mm. Australia wasn't going to get there in time. Mm. We lost sales and that. Um, that's that was that was one thing that comes to mind straight away. Was it hard to get up and tell jokes? Uh, not after long that? after September 11th? No, it, it was actually a relief. The laughs were huge because ah. people were just like, "Oh my god, the world is going to end. Yeah. What the hell is happening?" I mean, you know, everyone remembers that. 
that how how it really impacted everyone mm. at the time. Um, you know, other other bits of adversity have been more. I went through a massive court case with the next manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won, mm-hmm. um, but you know, what it was did that just, do to you? Oh, man, that just made me harder, and you know, it made me more confident. And that I'm, you know, mm. trombone trying to claim that they made you. Yeah. You know, um, it was just all bullshit. I yeah. mean, the, the the the, you know, it, it was just it wasn't thrown out. It was a nine year court case. Wow, it's a long time. And it's yeah. a lot of money to spend. See, I'm um, no scientist, but I would argue that your mum and dad made you. But that's you yeah, know, that's just the yeah, way I see it. Absolutely, yeah, it's right. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, the, the things I learned. My dad was was in business, and and he did a lot of different things in business, and some were great, and some weren't great. Yeah. But I learned because I'm a big believer in hey, it's great to learn from your own mistakes. Yeah. But you got to stop making mistakes and doing good things. Yeah. But everyone else is making mistakes, so look at whatever all the mistakes everyone else is making. Yeah. Learn more from other people's mistakes. It's a bit cheaper, isn't it? It's a lot cheaper. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. So that, um, what else? Um, I had a kid overseas, mm. you know, so, you know, which I didn't know about. I only found out when she was about seven, eight months old. Mm. And so then that changed my touring schedule because I would then – go every year to Canada mm-hmm. instead of every three or four years. Yeah. So I had to rethink that. Mm. Um, I got stale for a little while. Mm. Don't forget, I've been doing this 25 years, right? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, the, about seven, eight years ago, I got lazy, I got stale. Yeah. Um, what do you put that down to? Oh, I just, I just, um, I just wasn't enjoying it as much then. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Just, I don't know why, I just wasn't. Was that around the time of, with your brother? Or? No, my brother passed away three years ago. Yeah, you know, right. um, so look, that always that always affects you. But you know, he, you know, I was with him for the last six months. You know, yeah. and, and 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 I'd stay with him in the hospital, and he'd be like, I, "I go, I've got to go to work." He goes, "You go, have a good show," mm. and I'd come back. I'd go and do the show, do a meet and greet, mm. and then come back to him, mm. and he go, "How was it?" You know, and we'd have a chat, and you know, of course, that was. That you know, I mean, to to to, to see your brother dying, mm. and then have to, to leave the room, yeah. go and make a thousand people laugh, yeah. and then come back. Gee, I mean, tough. That's, it's tough, but you know, it just teaches you resilience. Mm. Look, I went I went through a lot of that growing up, you know. Yeah. So so it was, I just do it. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just that kind of guy that mm. just. What have I got to do? Just go and do it. Can I expense this? So you and I are about the same age, uh, late 40s. Yeah. Uh, let's leave it at that. Um, <laughs> uh, on the other side of 45, shall we say. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, um, you know, growing up, uh, there was a bit of wogs and Aussies, if, I, if you don't yeah, mind me yeah. dressing elephant in the room without yeah, being yeah. disrespectful. And I, you know, I, um, I, I, I don't... I ask you, what was the impact of racism on you back then? Um, okay, so I went to four primary schools and three high schools. So wow. half of those were were where there was lots of ethnic kids, so you just blended in. But there were some of them where, where I was the only Italian sort of thing, you know what I mean? So you felt it a little bit. Mm. Um, look, that the only thing that, that I got out of that was we survived it. So... You know, sometimes there's people who get picked on now. I'm like, 
just get over it, mate. Mm. Like we all had to get over mm. it, you know. Mm. Just it just it just gives you a thicker skin. Mm. Um, of course, there's different the, 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 there's different depths of it to different yeah. different cultures, mm. you know. Um, but you know, just mm. I don't know. You just. I don't know. The reason I ask you, the reason I ask you, is not for your opinion necessarily mm. on uh, racism today, because my view on racism is, I, 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 my view is that it's mainly driven by ignorance and stupidity, uh, mm. you know, and, mm. uh, and I don't understand it. Yeah. I, I perf- you know, uh, one thing I do know is every one of us in this country, in this world, we're all different, and why mm. somebody would choose to chastise or put someone down just because of their upbringing or their race or where they were born or their parents were born when they had no fucking decision in that mm. at all mm. is beyond me. So I, yeah. I, I, I categorise for the most part of it, it's ignorance. It's yes. the way I yeah. see it, right? Yeah. I'm not justifying it's right or wrong. I'm yeah. just saying that's how I see it. But I, I'm keen to understand, did it have a big impact on you? Because when I see you on stage or when I see you on Instagram, you know, I, I, I see you put on your father's accent or yeah. your nonna's accent and yeah. and I just I find it so refreshing and rewarding. And I, yeah. and I think to myself, is he using something that was, you know, challenging as a kid now to wear it as a as like a shield of armour? Yeah, sure. Um, well... We can do that probably more, the Greeks and Italians, yeah. because we're such a huge group here yeah. in Australia. And a lot of people know about the Greeks and Italians. That's right. Right? Um, the Asians, they sort of came in later, yeah. right? And so they probably go through it a lot more now. Yeah. But their kids in about two or three generations will be like... Yeah, we'll be well, like Joe Avati. They'll be like, the next Joe Avati up we're on like, stage. So it doesn't really matter, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. so I came through that. Mm. So, yeah, sure. I mean, look... Having being that having an Italian background would probably make it easier for me to do that mm. than you know had I have a different mm. ethnicity which wasn't as accepted yeah. or wasn't as widely um, known about. Like yeah. everyone, everyone knows a Greek. Everyone knows yeah, has a good Greek so mate. Everyone's got an Italian friend. You have Italian yeah, friends. Yeah, you know yeah. I, mean? I guess what you're saying is we, you know, uh, that Italian community is not necessarily the minority no, anymore. Exactly right. It's, it's it's a very big minority. It's a big minority. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and, and then yeah. and you have a look. Okay, let's let's extrapolate that to mm. not Australia. Mm. I can also tell you what it's like in America, in Canada, and in England. Yeah. Okay, and in Canada, the Italians have a huge presence, not only as a community in politics. Yeah. Right, they've got a lot of ministers. Yeah. Uh, they, they're huge in the media. Here, yeah. if you go to an Italian, someone with an Italian name in the media, so, oh, I've just got an Italian name. Mm. I'm not going to give you a go. Mm. In Canada. Oh, you're Italian. I'm Italian. I'm putting you on the news. Yeah, right. You know, politics, big business, huge business yeah. people in, in, in. So, so being Italian in Canada is a big force to be reckoned with. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. And so you ride that wave. Yeah. Joe, your success, uh, you know, often people coin the phrase overnight success. Yeah. You're not an overnight success. No. You've been going for 25 years. Um, and, you know, with, the sellout shows that you're currently in the middle yeah. of now. How do you manage it all? What, what's what's important to you to have a handle on it all and mm-hmm. to understand? Like, you know, I, I went to your show at the Palais with the three thousand people. I think you did a matinee that day, and then we went yeah. at, at the yeah. evening. So you you spoke to six thousand people in yeah. one day. I reckon when I was there, you went for the best part of two hours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and so you would have two hours. I mean, that's exhausting. But also considering looking down the track, saying. I'm anticipating to sell out the Palais 
there's a bit of a risk there because you've got to book the venue, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. just tell me, how do you manage that? How do you how do you keep an eye on the numbers? Yeah. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, you kind of you, you got to get a vibe, you got to get a feel, and this is a hard thing about being a producer or promoter, mm. is you've got to get a feel of um like how many people are loving you? And like, See, and that's hard because it's a you're, bloody hard thing to do. Well, especially how do you when you're, that out? especially when you're the talent and the promoter, Joe. Yeah, because yeah, ego, yeah. no doubt, ego gets in there. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, nah, not with me, man. No, it's, it's, nah, you can't. You know, like, mm. like sometimes I've sometimes I've argued with promoters who are like, where I might have sold the show, yeah. and they're like, we're putting you in a massive theatre. I'm like, I don't think you should be doing that. Yeah, you know what I mean. So my ego would have said, oh yeah, no, of course I'm yeah. going to sell out. To-. No. I, don't, I think I think that's the wrong. Yeah. Or sometimes people, mate, you're going to come here, you're going to sell three shows out. How about we start with one? Yeah. Let's start with one and let's see where we go from yeah. there. You have to be very level headed. But uh, you know, I've been I've been the business the 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 the, the, um, the prime mover of my business from day one. Mm-hmm. So I've understood the business side of it. This yeah. is this is the business of comedy. That's what I mean. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. You know, and I've only just become a comedian. I was always in the business of comedy. Mm. For this particular show that you saw was the first time that I actually sat down with a blank piece of paper mm. and started writing a new show. I remember going to your house where yeah. you had all the, the butcher's paper that's up right. on the walls. Yes, right. Yeah, and that's yeah. how you brainstorm. And that's, that's how I did it. And I've never done that before. Mm. Yeah. So I'm enjoying it more now than ever before because I've never done that. And, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. Mm. I'm actually not bad. Mm. I'm not a bad comedian. You know, that's what I kind oh, of I'll tell you, Joe, you, you're actually uh, very good. Uh, you're uh, outstanding. And, now, when I say that, I, I don't mean it. I mean it like, hey, I, can, I can actually do this. Yeah. You know? like, it's funny. Yeah. You've been doing it for 25 yeah, years. Oh, shit, I can actually do yeah. it. Yeah. Joe, in your business life, yeah. have you had some mentors and people that you've looked up to? Um, well, I look, at, I look up to people who, A, are successful and, B, who aren't successful. And I, I, I probably look at the people who haven't done as good um, more closely because mm. I learn from their mistakes. Yeah, right. Um, as a as a mentor, I, I probably had more spiritual mentors mm. than than business mm. mentors um, because I think in this game there's not a lot of okay. So the the the, the people the people who would I would be able to get n- notes from and learn from. I'm not close to like so. So I've always promoted myself. So it's not like I've worked with Michael Kadinsky, yeah, right, or Michael Chug, yeah. or, or you know uh, Paul Dainty. Yeah. I've never worked with these people. Yeah. So I've never been close enough mm. because I've been my own mini mm. promoter. Yeah. So I've just I've learned that myself. Mm. But what drives me and what keeps me focused is probably I've I've learned from spiritual mentors more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's intriguing. Mm. That's intriguing. So somebody who has a creative flair yeah. like yourself, although is a scientist by trade, mm. which is almost a, you know an enigma really, mm. um, how do you keep yourself on track? Because at the end of the day, right yeah. at the start of this interview, you said to me, Jay, I want to be a rock star. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I've seen you, you. You have stage presence. You can command the crowd. You can, with the with the use of your eyes, you could silence an audience, mm. and sometimes it could be forgiven to get a bit carried away with that. Yeah. So, yeah. how do you keep yourself on track, and how do you keep yourself on schedule? I, I, I think that my family's influence kept me on track because 
there's no room for being a dickhead, no room for being a wanker, mm. right? Um, and and if I was getting too big for my boots, so to speak, mm. yeah, you probably, yeah. you know, my old man would have said, uh, that's why I don't swear in the show, right? Yeah. That's another thing about my show. Yeah. I don't swear, I don't, I don't do dick jokes, I don't yeah. talk about stick. You know, that's yeah. just not my thing because I always think if my mum and dad were in the crowd, yeah. Would they be embarrassed with what I've just said? Mm. And I get embarrassed, mm. right? I, I would be embarrassed myself. Mm. And I've always had that, you know, yeah. stopping. I, like, n- no one, I don't, I don't want anyone to come to me and say that was very vulgar. Yeah. You know, before anyone would do that, my dad would come and clip me around the ear, sort of thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've made a point of, being respectful, mm-hmm. you know, doing it in a respectful way. And a lot of people really, really appreciate it. Mm. And, of course, one of the other reasons why I did that is because you're doing a show just to Italians. Mm. So you've got to maximise that amount of people coming. Mm. So you want the kids to come, you want the nonna and nonna to come. Mm. So how are you going to do that? You've got to be clean. Yeah, that's right. Right? Yeah. And I've always been that. So I get I get eight-year-olds coming and i got 80-year-olds coming. Yeah, fantastic. And everyone in between. And that's a very rare artist who mm. can have – all those generations, mm. you know, sometimes we get four generations coming in. Yeah, wow. You know? Tell me, Joe, um, lessons for other people in the yep. entertainment industry yep. or who are flirting with the idea of getting into entertainment. Yeah. Um, I'm sure your revenue is not just one source. I'm no. sure it's not yeah. just ticket sales. Yeah. You have merchandise and all yeah. that sort of stuff. How do you manage that process? Um, well, you know, being being Italian, you're always, you know, always, you know, interested in business, you know, yeah, and how can yeah. we, you know, so, you know, there's, there's, well, firstly, there's a differ- diversification within the business. So um, not only do I do solo shows, I then produce shows with other comedians. Oh, right. Okay. So, and then I'll produce shows where I'm not in the show yeah. and then I'll produce where, shows where I'm one of the stars of the show uh-huh. working with other stars. Yeah. Okay. Because that, that serves two purposes. Number one, it widens your audience, but also, whilst you're coming up, because you can't just do the same show over and over. So you do your show a couple of years, then we'll do an ensemble show, and in that time, it will, you know, it gives me time to breathe because I've only got to do half an hour. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't have to do that hour and a half. Yeah, and also um, you can create other material. And create other material. You do sketches yeah. and, and so on. Yeah, so that yeah. gives you another element of, of doing that. So there's that. Yeah. Then there's the merchandising. So I have, I've had a, um, a clothing line from a very, very early age. Mm-hmm. I had a clothing line, I had a wine label, I had water, I had a, a, a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've come back to focus on on what the people want. Mm-hmm. And even with a clothing line, you can't just have anything on a T-shirt with your name on it. No. My people want it to be functional. Mm. So boxer shorts, a baby bib, mm. an apron. Yeah, wow. You know what I mean? A shirt, a yeah. shirt, but a shirt's got to have a funny slogan on it, yeah, not yeah. just my name. Yeah. No one's going to walk around with my name on it. No. You know what I mean? So there's that. I've just recently written a children's book, and that's been fantastic. Oh right, what's it yeah. called? It's called When I Was Your Age. Yeah, right. And that's that's doing really, really well. Yeah. So there's that, and then of course there's other things, building, yeah. development. Yeah. You know all that kind of. Joe, so, if you were, I, I've always and often said that business is business, whether mm. you run a. Uh, financial services and advisory business yeah. like we do at the practice, yeah. whether you're in the restaurant game uh, or whether you're in ent- entertainment. They've got typically the same four pillars. It's your people, your systems and processes, the customers that you engage with, yeah. and it's your financials. What what could be the top three lessons you would give to any other budding entrepreneur, um, either starting out in business or in a rut in their business, 
that you would say, yeah, it's these three things, Jason, yeah. that I think are the secret ingredients for my success. Yeah, sure. Number one is be realistic. Like I, I find like a lot of people, oh, I'm going to open a restaurant mm. and uh, we're going to be full from night, day one. Mm. No, you're not. So, yeah, if, you, if, if, you, if you've got 500 grand to spend on a restaurant, right, make sure you've got 200 grand to keep to pay the bills while no one's coming in for that first six months. Yeah. A lot of people just don't do that. Now, can I just say, just as an adjunct to that, the number of guests that we've had on this show that have said the successful ones like yourself always keep a little bit in the tin yeah. for a rainy day. Yeah. Is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's number one. Number two is to be um, your product, okay? Make sure your product is a quality product. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even if it's a $3 trinket yeah make sure it's a good quality trinket yeah. make sure that it it gives it makes somebody happy mm-hmm. number 3 be don't be up yourself don't don't yeah. think you're that better than anybody else yeah. you know what yeah. i mean and and make sure that you're humble and you always treat people the way you want to be treated and, and, and equal you know just because you've got a successful product mm. you know doesn't mean your shit doesn't stink you know, no, you're right. Humility is a really important yeah. trait and people yeah. are people irrespective of what you do. Yeah. You know, you, you come across as a very grounded person and often that trait typically is inherited from your family of origin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and watching your shows and hearing you talking, getting to know you over the last sort of year or so, I, it really tells me that your family had such a profound impact on you. Yeah. Uh, and, and still do. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, a lot of people talk. A lot of people talk about if I was, if I'm behaving in, in a way that's, you know, that I'm up myself or, you know, I'm, I'm getting loose, a lot of people will see that, you know, and there's a lot of people, I've got a lot of cousins and uncles and aunties with a surname of Avati. So when they're out there, yeah. people go, Avati, you're not related to that Joe Avati. Yeah, I am. Well, oh, well, I saw him do this or I heard him do this or he said this. You know, I, I've got to be very conscious that what I do is going to reflect onto them. And of course, my children. Yeah, you of know? course. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Look, Joe, I, I want to thank you for your time. You've been outstanding and very Thanks, sharing. Uh, a lot of our audience who know you and have heard you, you know, see this comedian up in lights who's hilarious and funny and takes the mickey out of, you know, his parents and his grandparents and growing up mm. as, you know, as I said, a second-generation um, Australian. But the person that I know is a kind, caring, uh, loving person and uh, very generous with their time. So, Joe, before we go, how do we find out more about you? Oh, man, I'm on all the socials. So, yeah. you know, Instagram is Joe Varty. Uh, Facebook is Joe Varty Comedian. I'm on TikTok. Yeah. Um, they're the three main ones, you know. Uh, my website, of course, joevarty.com. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. um, you know, I, if I was single, I would have given you my address. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know where you used to live. Uh, Joe Varty, <laughs> thanks for your time, pal. Thank you very much, mate.